box, office, refund, box office refund podcast. Hello and welcome to Box Office Refund Podcast. I'm Nico Bell. And I'm Ward. And we review low-rated movies. And decide if their critics were wrong. Ward, how are you doing tonight? Awesome. Great. All right, this is our B episode. If you are new to the podcast, our B episode is our also watching episode where we talk about mostly the good things that we've been watching over the week. Um, Ward, what have you been watching this week? Do you want to give the list a little rundown? Sure, I'll give an overview. I watched A Star is Born, The Umbrella Academy Season 1, which is an amazing series. The Lego Movie 2, the second part, which is not as amazing. True Detective Season 3, which was good for four episodes, but unfortunately it was eight episodes in total. OG, Overlord, which is a great historical movie. Uh, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, Season 6 just started, an amazing show. Then I watched The Towering Inferno, which is from 1972 or 4. Wow, so you got a wide variety over there. Covering it all. Okay, so I watched The Breaker Uppers, which you can find on Netflix. It's a New Zealand movie. I watched The Super on Netflix, which basically answers the question, what is Val Kilmer up to these days? That was The Super? The Super, yes. I watched Nathan For You, which used to be on Comedy Central. You can now find it on Hulu. And Paddleton which is the movie on Netflix with Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. And then I've also been watching I'm Sorry Season 2, and I just have to talk about it because I think it's one of the best TV shows on television right now. All right. Ward, what would you like to start with? I will start in the order I named and start with A Star is Born. Oh, boy. Have you seen this movie? No, and I really don't want to as much as I love Lady Gaga. This type of movie just doesn't appeal to me. Like, small town girl. Here's what, okay, wait. Let me tell you what I think this movie is about. Because I never even looked it up. You can tell me how close I am. Just by the previews. Okay. Lady Gaga is a small town girl with big dreams of making it big in the movie industry. Bradley Cooper is some washed up older musician guy. He finds her. He makes her into a beautiful star. They fall in love with each other. And then she becomes too big of a star for him. And then they break up and she becomes a superstar and he's a lonely old man walking off into the sunset. Got a lot of that right. (laughs) Okay, now you can tell me what this movie is about. I don't know. I mean, I wondered, ultimately I just wondered, what does this movie want to say? Which is kind of ironic because throughout the movie, Bradley Bradley Cooper's always saying, you gotta, you gotta be true to yourself. You know, you gotta, you gotta speak. People gotta hear you. And I, I don't know, I mean, because it alludes to a lot of things, and it never really addresses a lot of things. Lady Gaga, I can't remember her character, but she, you know, she has this really neat perspective of voice corner Bradley Cooper. And I wish this would touch on the predatory nature of, like, what he does. He's this older guy, kind of washed up, sees her, has um, a sexual attraction to her. Like, it's not about her sure. ability at that point, but the movie never addresses the fact that there are a lot of stars that do this use the girl and throw them away. He doesn't throw her away, but I felt like that needed to be addressed. Um, yeah. You know, she does become, I never was sure how famous she became because I'm not sure how much time passed in this movie. Like she's on tour and I wasn't sure, was she headlining the tour? Was she an opener? How famous is she? At one point she's up for some, I don't know, whatever the music awards are, but I never had a grasp on how famous she was. I realized, you know, kind of tangentially that, oh, she's making these pop hits 
that are very, I don't know, what are pop hits nowadays? They're just shallow and boring and, like, not really saying anything. Like, she's making songs like that because, well, you're making money. Like, I get it. Right. But I wasn't sure, like, was this about her? Is this about Bradley Cooper? And, you know, what is it like when you've been a star and you're at the, the end of that arc? I don't. I just don't know what this is. And this is just doing a lot of things. And then you have this relationship between Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, and it's part, like, these creative people, part jealous both jealous of each other based on one wants to be a star, one has been a star, then Bradley Cooper yeah. sees her become I just I didn't I just didn't know what this wanted to say. It didn't really say anything. It just throws all this stuff up there and it's just not a lot of context. Uh, and Well this movie got so much rave reviews. I mean, and, do you think that it was warranted? Um personally, no. Like I didn't love it like that. Like this movie, I wouldn't say don't watch it's kinda like it depends. Like if you're kinda interested, sure, watch it. But there's just a few problems this has. But I get why people love this. I think part of it's living vicariously. You know, oh, this this yeah. girl who, like, wants to make it but has some shortcomings. Like, she's not as... And yeah. This is the movie saying this. This is not me saying this. She's not as beautiful as she should be to be famous, which I think is kind of a crock that, oh, you have to look a certain way to be famous. I mean, obviously, yeah. she has talent. Obviously, Lady Gaga's talent. And it's an interesting juxtaposition or, I guess, maybe metaphor that Lady Gaga does dress up very elaborately. You know, it made me wonder... Seeing her in this, because I've never seen her look this normal, are right. her costumes like part of this? She personally doesn't feel pretty enough to be. A, you know, I don't know. But again, right. the movie doesn't really delve into it. It's just, hey, we're going to touch on this, but leave it up to you. Well, I want the movie to say a little bit. But does this movie have its moments? No doubt. Like, it has some really neat moments. The ending, I thought it was like, like, the ending happened. I thought, you know, it would have been a lot better if it happened like this. And so I looked up the 1976 version, which this is a remake of the 76 version. I think there's like one from the 40s or 50s. And the 76 version, the ending happened exactly like I wanted it to. And I think mm-hmm. the only reason this movie didn't do that is that they just didn't want to copy it. But that ending would have been a lot more powerful. This is just like another thing like, well, like what are you trying to say by this? What is this? And part of this movie at times, it just felt like it was rich people have it so tough. Their lives are so uh, hard. And it's, yeah. it's not consistent, but it pops up a few times. <clears throat> And re- like, if the movie's gonna try to sell me on that, you might as well stop because that's not gonna happen. You, I mean, yeah. you want to be famous. That's part of being famous. You can't say, "Well, I didn't know people were gonna stalk me." You're famous. That's like the deal, man. You're making a pact with the devil, and that's part of it. Yeah. Well, Lady Gaga. Well, I, did they both win an Oscar? Couldn't say. For... Okay. Well, I know Lady Gaga. Won I think an they Oscar. might have for the song. I think the song the won, song. and they both yeah. worked on that. I don't remember if Lady Gaga won it for the acting or not. I mean, she did a great job, no doubt. Did she? Yeah. I mean, look, I love Lady Gaga. I love her as, like, a human being. I love her as a musician, as an artist. This movie just did not appeal to me. I don't really like watching movies where, like, a star is being born. That's just not my vibe. Yeah, but the birthing scene is very impressive. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, would you recommend it for people or no? Um, I, I just have to say, if you have an inkling to watch it, sure. If you think that's not okay. for me, then don't. Okay. I, I'm on then the I fence. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I get why people love it. It has some flaws. I thought this movie could be really great. There's just like a few yeah. things they need to do. I mean, I don't know how many, I think Bradley Cooper worked on this script. I don't know how many scripts he's done, but he, he could have been, he did. Let's see who wrote it. A lot of people worked on this. It could have been better. Okay. And I think, I wonder if part of it is just they just wanted to distinguish themselves from the previous versions. They just didn't want to run those out again. Yeah. But that's all right. Okay. Well, I have one that is pretty good. 
The Breaker Uppers, which appeared on my Netflix one day, and I'm very glad I checked it out. It's about two cynical women who create an agency that helps break up couples in an attempt to avoid their own problems in life. Is this a movie or TV show? No, this is a movie. And it it got really high reviews. It got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. I actually think it deserved it. It was really, really witty and funny, and it was a bit of a dramedy. Um, So you kind of get the impression that these two women have been scorned by love, and they have, and the connection of these two, and I don't want to spoil anything, but it's actually very clever on why they're both so bitter and resentful about love. So they're breaking people up. They're going to couples, and they're saying that one significant other has gone missing, or that that maybe one has died, or that one is moving to Africa to do missionary work or whatever. So they come up with these elaborate ways to get couples to break up, clean and simple so that there's no drama afterwards, which I thought was a very fun, cute concept. Um, But then we learn that one of the women in the business starts having a bit of a conscience and she no longer wants to do it. She wants to start living her life and getting mature and having friends. And so that causes a bit of a rift between the two main characters. And then it's a sort of a growing up type of story between these two friends and how they come back together and how they heal their own broken hearts. I think it's really good. So when they drift apart, are they apart for an extended period of time? They are apart for many, many months. Um, And they're both doing their own things and emotionally healing from their own resentful pasts. So it's, it's good. It's very good. Is it, is it a comedy or what? It is a comedy. It's a bit of a dramedy. And probably a bit of in the chick flick world, but you know, I watched it with my husband and he was laughing and having fun, so I think it's worth a watch. Well, you said one of them got a conscience, didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they weren't doing anything wrong, right? It's just break. It's just is it just a hard well, work or what? Like, what was the main well, issue? Well, she saw the effects of one of their lies. So they told someone that their that the guy had disappeared they dressed up as cops and they were like well he was out hiking and we couldn't find him and don't worry or whatever we're on the case and this woman wouldn't let it go and so things escalated and eventually they had to tell the truth and then they saw the ramifications of that and how heartbroken this woman was and how angry she was and that's when the woman grew a conscience and was like you know what we're really hurting people with what we're doing and maybe we shouldn't be doing it anymore uh, so I, I thought you just said, like, they tell little white lies to let the people off easy. Like, oh, no, they're going really in-depth. No, no, they lies. go full on. And that's really the funny part of it, really. Like, when they're dressing up like cops and they're standing there all awkward while everybody's crying. And they're like, yep, uh, he's dead. He's not coming back. <laughs> so that's that's the funny part of it. I enjoyed it. All right. What you got? I've got the Umbrella Academy. Have you seen that? that? Is a Netflix original series. Okay, this one keeps popping up on my Netflix, and I don't really want to watch it because I'm. It looks like X Men. Is it like X Men? Man, no. It, what's so cool about this is it's kind of the anti, like typical superhero stuff. And the only reason it reminded me of X Men is you know you kind of have this group of people. They lived in a home where they're trained to be superheroes. But this movie says, yeah, that's really harmful to people. That does not help them become superheroes. That makes them broken, damaged human beings. That's where we start with this. This show is awesome. I would put it up there with the best of anything Netflix really? has to offer. I love this show. Oh, I mean, it's okay. it's a little over the top. It's very kind of stylish and like fun. The music is amazing. They have a lot of action sequences set to music. And you know what? It's not enough. It is just, it's awesome. Just a really cool vibe. 
I mean, I like that these siblings, like part of the thing is the end of the world's coming. And these siblings realize that, but they would rather argue with each other and kind of tell each other, well, you're wrong, and this is why you're wrong. It's just this neat juxtaposition of, you know, yeah, the stakes are high, but siblings fight, and it doesn't really matter what's going on. They're going to fight till the end. I just, I like mm-hmm. the I like the style of this. And I rarely binge a show. Couldn't stop watching this. I thought this show was just really cool, really... It's the anti-Marvel type stuff, and it delves into, yeah, training kids to be superheroes... It doesn't help them. It deprives them of childhood, and it makes them damaged. Like, all these people are broken in various ways. My only complaint with this show is that it ends on a very, very big cliffhanger. Oh. So Netflix is usually pretty good about bringing shows back. Mm. And I feel like they'll bring this one back because this, this was a pretty big show. But, yeah, I hate the end on a cliffhanger, but it does make me very eager to watch season two. Okay, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll check it out. It is awesome. It looks, awesome. It, oh, maybe. Maybe I'll watch the first episode. Uh, and I will and say, you know, like, it has a little bit of backstory about 43, like, 43 women had kids. They were not pregnant right. the day they had the kids. And I always wonder, well, what about these other 36 kids? I mean, are they, do they all have powers? Obviously, they must have. So, like, how did... Hargreaves know to adopt these kids? Like, how did he know they'd be special? Because I doubt he knew when they were baby. Like, we don't answer any of that. I mean, we kind of get into a little bit, but at first we don't Maybe. we don't know what these kids what their powers are. Like we see them as adults. I'm thinking, okay, that guy's power he must just be strong because he's really big. But it's kind of neat how we delve into their powers and slowly uncover them. And even throughout the series, like, oh wow, like I knew that was his power, but he has this whole portion of his power untapped. It's really neat. All right. Well, I saw a really neat movie called The Super. On Netflix. I saw this solely because Val Kilmer, who is our Batman, is in this movie. And I was like, what is Val Kilmer up to these days? What does he look like? What is he doing with his life? This answers that question. He is playing a, um, what, like a janitor of an apartment complex. Well, I assume if he's he, the super, he's the superintendent of the complex, right? Uh, No. Well, that there's is a misleading super. name. Well, I don't think he's the super. I think there's another guy who's the super. Okay, let me, let me start over. All right. So this is about a bereaved former cop who takes a job as a superintendent in a huge New York apartment building. His tenants begin to vanish, and he'll have to solve a series of cryptic riddles to find them. Ooh. All right. Okay. I, I'm just going to jump in, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. I'm okay. looking at the poster of this movie, and yes. it looks like somebody's wearing a Val Kilmer mask. <laughs> No. Look, Val Kimmer plays this really spooky, I think he's like a, like a Romanian, perhaps. And that's only important because he is really into magic and the spells uh, of his ancestors. And he is very creepy about it. Like, he does spells and witchcraft in the basement. He has lit, lit candles. And he found and that creepy in this movie? Like that. Um, but... <laughs> The story is about the cop. So this cop moves into this new New York apartment with his two daughters. And things start happening. These murders start to happen. People start disappearing. And we start unraveling the mystery and how Val Kilmer plays into it and how the cop plays into it. And the first two thirds of this movie, I actually was very underwhelmed and I thought it was very cliche and ridiculous and I thought I knew where the movie was going. And I was actually even thinking about making it one of our movies because I was certain that it was just awful. I mean, there was one scene where the cop 
was standing on one end of a darkened hallway, and Val Kilmer was standing on the other side of a darkened hallway, and someone had just, like, disappeared, and there was a lot of tension, and the cop was suspecting that Val Kilmer was the bad guy, and they just stared at each other, and then Val Kilmer, like, crab walks out of the scene. Like, he doesn't turn and walk slowly or sinisterly. Like, he kind of shuffles, like, (laughs) just a little bit, until he's out of the scene. Like, it's so bad and it was so stupid on so many levels but then you get to the end and it's like oh okay the end the twists how it all concludes the eerie unsettled feeling you get when you watch the last couple of frames kind of makes it all worth it so you got to kind of stick it out a little bit the first bit is ridiculous there's a lot of stupid stuff in it a lot of cliches but stick it out Till the end, and I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, I wasn't sure where this was going, but like Val, Kim- Val Kimmer's a movie, it makes me curious. And yeah, absolutely. Your review, while not glowing, it's it not made a me curious. Movie. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's like certain genres of movies that I'll watch: time travel, baseball, Val Kilmer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna watch a movie like that. You know, if I could have a movie where Val Kilmer's a baseball player that time travels, perfect. Well, he's like a voodoo witch janitor in this one. The poster, so. I have to go back to this poster. Like, the person that is ostensibly Val Kilmer in this poster is crazy looking. And well, yeah. I don't know how I, mean, I feel if that is really Val Kilmer. That is really Val Kilmer. Well, I don't know that. <laughs> I am telling you 100% that that is really Val Kilmer. Wasn't Val that's, Kilmer that's really him. fat at one point? Yeah, now, now this is him. This is what he's doing. He's in this movie. He's doing his stuff oh yeah this came out just what 2017 wow yeah mm-hmm. it got a 40 percent on rotten tomatoes which i feel like is fair but again it's it's very typical up to a certain point and then it becomes worth it do you want to spoil it nope don't want to spoil it you're gonna have to watch it all right well now i might have yep. to then <laughs> that's it that's all i got for it good old val kilmer our batman you're batman. all right Okay. <laughs> what else do you want to talk the about? The Lego Movie 2, the second part. I talked a little bit about that on our last B-side. Did you like it? No. I mean, like... Okay, really? I'll say, like, would I recommend it? Yes. But it you can't not be disappointed if you've seen the first one. Like, the first one was completely unique and creative. Sure. And this really, this really uh, relies hard on the first one. It's just yeah, well, exactly. I mean, there's there's yeah. no way for this to be as unique or as creative, and right. honestly, I wanted the first movie again. I knew I couldn't get that. That's just impossible. That is just like the way that intersected and when it came out and what it did. You can't do that again. And there's just no way for this movie to do that, and it just it feels like a sequel, and I don't mean that in a good way. I don't know. I just thought the story tried too hard to make this big reveal, um, and try to like one up the first one. I thought there's too much time in the real world. Uh, when the animation's top-notch, this looks great. But there are a couple of things I just didn't quite work for me. Really? You know, I, I thought it was in the same vein as the first one. I think you're right. There was a lot of real world this time around. But it was a much more of a coming-of-age story. And I, I think it worked overall. I think it was a good, wholesome movie. It was still funny. It focused more on the female... I don't know what her name is. Wild the female style. Ca- wild, yeah on her character a little bit more, which I thought was very clever and fun. 
So I, I thought it was good, you know? I thought it was... I mean, I liked that. I liked the sister. I liked, like, that whole arc kind of affected the Lego world. And I'm not going to spoil this, but Emmett's villain, I thought, like, and, like, or, like, the villain of the movie and how it re- relates to Emmett and, like, Emmett's arc, I thought that whole thing was a bit of a crutch. Like, I mean, the way, yeah. the, way the Lego world and how it's tied to the real world, I thought they kind of cut that tie a little bit just to make like this big surprise ending. I didn't like that. It just, they didn't need to, I just felt like they're trying to top themselves and this felt like a bit of a feeble attempt. I mean, I liked the sibling rivalry. I like how that translated, but I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad movie. I would definitely recommend going to see it, but just understand it's not going to be the first one. It's not as funny as the first one. I don't know. I, I wanted to like it more than I did. Fair enough. All right. Well, have you ever seen the show Nathan for you? No, but I've heard of it. All right, so like I said, it was originally on Comedy Central. Comedy Central canceled it. You can see that I believe there's four seasons total. You can watch them, I believe, on Hulu. And it opens up like this. So Nathan, he's a comedian, Nathan Fielder. He graduated from one of Canada's business schools with okay grades. That's how he says it. And now he's helping struggling business owners get back on track. So the business owners don't know that he's a comedian. And he is a very dry comedian. So you have to think like Michael Scott without even his humor like very awkward very very dry and so he goes into these situations and he comes up with the most crazy outlandish ways to help them so for example there's a restaurant who has the best chili in town but nobody is going to the restaurant and the restaurant's going to be going out of business so the owner wants to sell his chili at the stadium the sports stadium down the road but the stadium has their own vendors so Nathan comes up with the idea of creating a bodysuit where he can carry all the chili in with him and then put his clothes on top of it and then have a little spout and he can spout out the chili and sell it to the people at the stadium without anybody noticing. So he makes this bodysuit and it's really, really elaborate. Like they have to use a special material so the chili doesn't burn him through the plastic. It has a valve system. It has openings so he can go to the bathroom. It has compartments for cheese and sour cream and all of this stuff. But one of the problems is with all of his equipment, it's metal. And he doesn't want to have to go through the metal detectors and they find out that his body is basically chili. So he decides that if he had a note from a cardiologist saying that he had a pacemaker, he would be able to get through the metal detectors without any problem. So he gets a pacemaker and he tapes it to his chest and he goes to a doctor and he tells them that he has like a cold, just a basic cold, and if it's okay if they can take an x-ray of his chest. So when they take the x-ray of his chest, they have evidence that he has the pacemaker because he has taped it onto his chest. He takes that to a doctor, The doctor tells him that he now has evidence because he has this x-ray that he is a pacemaker. So he gets a special note from the doctor and he uses it to get into the stadium with his chili and the metal on him and all of his equipment. And he goes around the stadium selling chili out of his special costume. So he just pours it out of his arm and he just hands it to people. And he made like 30 bucks. And that is a way of promoting the chili. So that arc... 
Is that multiple <laughs> episodes? Is that one episode? No, no, that's just him. That was actually one of two things he did in that particular episode. But that's how he's, he spirals so far out of control. And it's so awkward to watch these things and what he's doing to these poor people. And they don't know what's going on. It's hilarious. I highly recommend. I'm so sad that it got canceled because it was pretty funny. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah. I've heard of it, never yeah. checked into it, but that is very intriguing. I hope everybody checks into it, and I hope they renew it sometime, because it was definitely, like, cringe-worthy, awkward comedy. It was great. All right, your turn. Oh, gee. This is, I think it's an HBO original. You got maximum security prison inmate Lewis, played by Jeffrey Wright, who does a stupendous job. He is close to being released. He's been in prison for 24 years. He kind of, as he's about to leave, he takes another inmate under his wing. And, you know, this is just, I, I was intrigued by this. A man that's been in jail a long time. I like Jeffrey Wright. I wanted to see, you know, what he did with that. And it's really cool how this explores the different influences, pulling him in all these different directions. You know, do you, because at one point he'd been kind of a kingpin of the jail. Now being older and close to getting out, he's left all that behind. And you think, was it because he's more mature? Is it just he's older and it's too much trouble? Like, has he really been reformed or not? Like, where does he stand on that? And then you start mm-hmm. seeing old habits kind of pulling on him. And you think, was well, he going to succumb to these old habits? You know, what happens? And then at the same time, you're wondering, well, he's about to get out. He's been in jail for 25 years. Does he want to be back in a world that's, in essence, passed him by? There's nobody on the right. outside for him. His family lives in a different state, so they he can't leave the state due to his parole. So it's just mm. really curious, like, what's going to happen? Where is he going to go? And at one point, I wonder, was he going to do something just to stay in jail? Because he knows that life. He He's, right. I mean, it's, if you can be comfortable in jail, he is. And the fact is, Jeffrey Wright completely carries the movie with his performance. He is just simply amazing. And it's a small, it's like some like big movie, you know, a lot of prison movies, you've got these great escapes, or these huge fights, or right. like some big event. And this is all just very small stuff. It's just very tightly wound story. I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. Great. That sounds pretty good. If you're looking for a heartfelt friendship movie, you should try Paddleton which is on Netflix right now. It's a movie with Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. Have you seen this come up on your Netflix? Yeah, I knew it was coming out. I like Mark Duplass a lot, but knowing mm-hmm. what this movie's about, I just wasn't sure I was going to dig it. It seemed kind of like a downer. I agree as well. It, I mean, it, it definitely is a downer, but I was kind of in like a weird vibe the other night, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to check this movie out. It's been on my list. I'm looking forward to it. So the movie is about, I'll read you with the premise, it's an unlikely friendship between two misfit neighbors becomes an unexpected emotional journey when the younger man is diagnosed with terminal cancer. Okay, so it's terminal. He is going to die. That's not a spoiler. It's just the facts of the premise. But it wasn't your typical dying movie. There was no bucket list. This man was very happy and content with the life and the choices that he made. He felt like he was exactly where he was meant to be. And in his final days, he really just wanted to eat pizza and watch Kung Fu with Ray Romano. But the little bit of a twist is that he wants to take the, the I don't know how to say it, like the pills that you kill yourself with, like medical assisted suicide. So they do have to go on like a little six hour drive to get the pills. But it's not it's not like one of those journey movies either. It kind of tips its hat at a lot of different things, but it's it's never really goes in any one direction of a cliche. 
So when they're on the road, they go and they get the medicine. Ray Romano has a really hard time with it. He is having a harder time with it than Mark Duplass, who is the one who is dying. So you see a lot of that interaction between friends and how to come to terms with this terminal illness. And really the big moment like that I think will get everybody in tears is the moment that Mark Duplass decides that he's going to take the pills and he's going to die. Um, and then, you know, the effects of that on Ray Romano. So it is very sad, but it's also it's also kind of heartwarming in a way. And it's a really interesting story about friendship and, um, you know, but get ready to cry, get some tissues. And if you're in the mood for a movie like that, then I would say check it out. I guess I may not be checking this one out. Yeah, I mean, you really have to be in a mood for a really sad kind of movie. I mean, I like Mark Duplass. I like like a lot of his projects. He has just this kind of... You know, he has a unique style, unique vision, a very artistic, very creative person. But, yeah, I read the premises. I'm like, ah, this is not just an everyday movie. This is one I'm trying to wait no. for. Yeah. All right, what's next on your list? Overlord. This is a historical, I mean, not quite documentary, close, um, about a group of American soldiers in World War II behind enemy lines on D-Day. And they encounter some German horrors. Um, I'm pretty sure this is based on fact. I was expecting gratuitous, like, B-movie violence. I don't know. Like, I mean, there's some... I like scary stuff. There are some truly disturbing images in this. I don't want to spoil it because when you see it, man, it's just so crazy. But the Germans have developed a serum that can bring the dead back to life. Because, you know, if you're going to have a thousand-year war, the Reich, you've got to have thousand-war Reich soldiers. Interesting. So Interesting. I, I, I just wanted this, like, more fun more kind of silly more over the top and it wasn't quite there i mean i liked it but i just wanted more it's 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 neat you've got you know, the, all these soldiers you've got one who is a little more meek than the others and of course he steps up to you know get the job done at the end but it's it's just it's a crazy ride when you know, you've got this villain who is undead in essence and the crazy doctors and patients and you know they're taking the villagers and flamethrowers and all kinds of stuff like it's it's like all the kind of pulp stuff you'd want in a movie like this, it has it. I just wished it was a little bit crazier. Yeah. I will say, like, the That's last third kind of gets into the level of crazy I wanted, but I'd already watched two-thirds of the movie by then. I wanted some of that stuff in the first third of the movie. Yeah. That sounds interesting. I only have one more, and it's I'm Sorry with Andrea Savage. It's a TV show on True TV. And I've talked about season one, and now I'm watching season two. And I just, if you're not watching this show, I don't know what you're doing with your time, but you have to be watching this show. It is so funny. It's so witty. It has cameos by people like Scott Ackerman, Jason Mantzoukas, Nick Kroll. I mean, it has a really good team of people on it. And it's about... A working mom, you know, Andrea, she's in comedy. She's trying to make it as a working mom. She's always finding herself in awkward situations. And her husband, who's very, very supportive, you know, and he's always finding himself in situations. It's just really good. It's a good, funny, irreverent comedy. So I highly recommend. And what's happening in that comedy? Like, what do they do? Did they you, you didn't say that. Do- did, you, did I miss that? Well, no, I mean, they do a bunch of stuff that is just normal, everyday thing. Like, she tries to get her kid into a certain kindergarten, and her poor child, um, they want to introduce diversity to her, 
So they start showing her pictures of, like, African-Americans who have done really great things, and her child says that she does not like the color of their skin. So it is a show about, like, that specific episode. They try to um, help their daughter not be a racist. And you can see, like, they How old is the daughter? I assume very young. Five years old. Okay. Five years old, yes. Yes. Because there's an age that makes that funny. There's an age that makes that not funny. There's There's a scene where she comes into a dinner party dressed in blackface the five-year-old and does a fat albert impersonation Wow! so that gives you just a little tip of the hat of what you're gonna get with this tv show (laughs) very irreverent comedy it's great i love it that's all i got last week tonight with john oliver season six that is a fantastic show i mean john oliver was on the daily show with john stewart he graduated to this hbo show of his own and like yeah he skewers everybody but I really think this show shows the power of journalism. I mean, he just does some fantastic stories, stories that I never, like, I never asked, what's up with that? I've never even thought to delve into some of these stories. I mean, I can't, you know, he, he does 30 episodes a season. I can't tell you all of them. I, uh, ones that stick out is always, um, like, the Miss America pageant and all the scholarships they say they give out versus the number of scholarships they actually give out. And it's very interesting because they're, you know, it's a money-making scheme. They're not giving out the scholarships oh, yeah. they say they do. And he just delves into these unique topics that I really like. And yeah, he's funny. He makes some jokes. He's kind of crass. But man, I just I really enjoy his show. I really like how he just delves into this. And I know one episode he talked about journalism and how newspapers are dying rapidly. But if you look at these TV shows that are on air 24-7, they yeah. are pulling headlines from the newspaper. They don't have to pay the newspaper anything. Mm. And so he said... You know, if this cycle continues with the newspapers slowly dying, well, if they die, these TV shows won't have any place to get their news, and you kind of have to reset the cycle because where will news come from? And the fact is, they're not compensated, and they should. It's very interesting. It's a fantastic show. Unfortunately, it is limited because it's an HBO series, but man, it is so good. It's one of those shows that I sit down and watch it every night as soon as it comes on because it is fantastic. Yeah, I used to watch it when I had HBO. It was always a good time. It was great. I loved it. And to wrap it up, The Towering Inferno from 72 or 74. Let me see. I think I've got it here. 74. This is one of those movies that I would only recommend if you're kind of a film or movie buff, like you like film history, because it's not really a good movie. In 74, it won the box office, but it's two hours and 45 minutes long. It's kind of the, the disaster movie. Everybody's in this tower. It's a brand new tower just built. It is impenetrable. It's got the latest technology. It's perfect. Nothing can hurt it until it does. Nothing will go wrong until this movie happens. So this was one of the first movies to kind of do that, to be set in a building like this. And I like what they're trying to do. They're trying to set up all these characters and you know, create feelings at the end. I just don't care. I just want to see buildings exploding. <laughs> uh, sure. And it's not bad. It's just... I mean, for 74, I guess it was great. I mean, everybody went to see it. It was a huge success. Now it's really just notable for the fact that it is kind of the grandfather of these disaster movies that were huge in the 70s, quickly died at the end of the 70s. And this is one of those. It had Paul Newman and Steve McQueen in it. They were wow. they fought over who would get top billing. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, neat movie, but really only if you're a history buff. Because it, now it just, you're going to watch it and say, oh, I've seen so many movies that have done this better. Because they have, like. 40 years have passed. We've done it better. All right. But this started well, it all. All right. Well, that's basically what we have been watching this week. Very cool. 
All right, guys, listen. If you want to find us, you can find us at Box Office Refund on Twitter and Instagram. You can go to T Public, T E E Public, and that is where our merchandise is. You can search Box Office Refund. And you can find shirts that are inspired by the movies that we watch. So please check that out. Ward, are you doing anything? Do you have anything to promote? Where can people find you? What's up with you? I mean, I could talk about stuff. So many of the projects are just future, future things. I mean, sure, I'll talk about them because, you know, so much going, ooh, that sounds interesting. I can't wait to see the update on that. And it'll probably be a year before we see an update on that. But you know what? At least you know. Today, I acquired three go-karts. Oh, my gosh. Ward. Lord. Now they are what big are projects because not a single one of them work. Oh. Uh, they all need new engines. They may need new clutches. A couple of them are missing Listen. wheels and tires. Where where are you gonna go go karting? That that what, is what the is big the question. Plan? Sure, yes. the big question is yes. where. I've got a driveway and I've got a front yard. My neighbors oh have my yards. Gosh. That's kind of where we're at right now. Uh, right oh now I'm thinking gosh. maybe late 2019, early 2020. The Ward Grand Prix will start revving up. You're just gonna go ride around your yard in go karts? Uh, where else would I go? Well, <laughs> that is the question. Okay, so if people want to watch you <laughs> or follow the follow the go kart adventure, what's your what's your handle? I'm on Instagram with Wardworks. I post all my projects there. But yeah, this one's probably gonna be a while. I've got a few other projects in the queue ahead of it. And this is a big project. It's an expensive project. I don't know if I'm going to try and do all three at one time. That just, that's triple the cost of doing one. But, you know, the only thing better than one go-kart is two. The only thing better than oh two go-karts gosh. is three. I can't even right now. All right. Well, I don't have anything nearly as exciting as that. But I am starting a new novel. And so you can always follow my awesome journey <laughs> of me banging my head against my desk at Nico Bell Fiction on Instagram and Twitter. And you can check out my blog. If you go to nicobellfiction.com, um, you can follow my blog and read all the fun adventures of being a writer. So all your right, novel, guys. how long do you anticipate it takes to knock that one out? It's going to take an entire year. That's how long it takes me to write a novel. I'm a very slow writer. Although on average, it takes people about a year. So I feel like I'm an average writer. On, is, on average, is that average for people to actually complete it? Because I would think if you take the average of everybody writing a novel, some people start it and never finish it. So is, oh, I would think that's the average that's for people to actually finish it. I would probably say, yes, the people finish it. I know some people who can do it in three months. I wish I could do it in three months. I absolutely cannot. But are they the good? I mean, there's a difference between writing a novel and writing a good novel. I will. I don't know. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Or will we? Okay. Drama. Anticipation. Box. Office. Refund. Box Office Refund Podcast.